following podcast is a Jill Divine Media production. Two Kids in a Career is brought to you by Blondin Real Estate. They're a family-owned boutique-style brokerage with over 40 years of experience serving the counties that surround St. Louis. See the properties they have to offer at BlondinRealEstate.com. That's BlondinRealEstate.com. Boundaries are so important for kids, especially kids with big emotions, but we can be firm in a respectful way. The balance is this is the way it's going to go. You're going to have feelings about it. And I'm actually going to teach you how to have those feelings so that you don't lash out, so that you have those feelings without being disrespectful, so that you have those feelings without um, you know, holding them in. So the balance is actually being strong and firm and confident, but letting our kids have feelings without dismissing them and teaching them how to have those feelings in a way that's respectful to themselves and others. Evoke Creative is a proud sponsor of Two Kids and a Career. They help small business owners like me brand with purpose and market with intent. The ladies at Evoke Creative will help make your digital presence known. Learn more at evokecco.com. That's evokecco.com. Hi there, and welcome to Two Kids in a Career. I'm Jill Devine. As an entrepreneur, wife, and mama, the daily grind of trying to build a business while taking care of kids and trying to maintain a healthy connection with my hubby, it's a lot. With this podcast, you're going to hear candid conversations with other moms, parenting experts who can share their knowledge and insight, or you'll just hear me rambling to get it all out. There's going to be tears, there's going to be laughter, but most importantly, there will be support. Take a listen and connect with me so we can grow and learn from one another. This is Two Kids and a Career. Welcome to episode 108. I have been counting down the days for this episode because I am hoping that my guest will just, it'll click for me. It'll give me some um, confidence. It will give me some tips. Everything about this episode, it's going to be about those big feelings with your kiddos. And obviously, we'll talk about what it's like as a parent to have a big feelings kid. So I want to welcome Rachel Bailey to the podcast. Uh, Rachel, I have to say that I think it was the line in the email. I really believe that your listeners, no matter their stage of parenting, will walk away from this episode feeling inspired and equipped to think about the act of parenting in a much simpler way that leads to less stress and feeling less guilty, releasing their own yuck as well. You had me there. Yes. Just that simple sentence, which isn't very simple at all. But welcome to Two Kids in a Career. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me here. I really appreciate it. Before we get into all the questions and all the tips, let's learn a little bit more about you, Rachel, and your background. And I know that you're a mom. And let's talk about that stuff first. Yeah. So I am a mom. I have two daughters who are nine and 11 years old. And in addition to being a mom, which of course is my first and foremost job, but I um, have a master's degree in clinical psychology and I was actually studying, I wanted to become a neuropsychologist. That was my goal. I didn't end up becoming a neuropsychologist because I got pregnant along the way uh, on my journey, but I study a lot about the brain and how it affects behavior and emotions. What happened was um, after I sort of, my, my journey went a little bit sideways, I started become, doing things with kids and teens in the field of psychology. And I was an ADHD coach and an academic coach. I was also a therapist for kids and teens. But a few years into doing that, I actually realized that parents were coming to me and they were saying, Rachel, I'm glad that you're working with my child, but 
I need to know what to do when you're not around, when they are <laughs> not listening to me or they're fighting or they're anxious. So I actually started working with parents. It's been about 13 years now, even before I was a parent myself and was doing a lot about, you know, respect-based discipline. I've always talked to parents about children with big emotions, but it was about a year ago now that I really focused my practice in supporting parents of children with big emotions. And that is what I do today because I am personally a parent of two children with big emotions. And I myself am what is called a highly sensitive person. So I'm actually really sensitive to their emotions. So this is what I do now. Oh, so you have two. <laughs> two I do, both emotions? big feelers. <laughs> yeah, they're both big oh. feelers. They look, it looks different, which is great because it allows me to help different types of parents because there are big emotions. They're triggered by different things. The way it shows up looks different. But yes, they both have big emotions. The thing that I have talked a lot about in this podcast with experts is I am also fascinated by the human brain and yeah. the ability to actually tap into that, especially when kids are growing up and helping them, like learning about what might be genetics and what might not be. And of course, I have no background or or any training in that, which is why I have experts on. And one woman that I've had on a couple of times, and there are certain things that she has said that has clicked and have helped me. Her name is Erica Komisar. And in episode 91 of the podcast, that was the environmental factors affecting adolescents. We actually talked about, this was the first time I realized that my youngest is sensitive. And what I mean by that is I believe that my youngest has these big emotions and I brought up to Erica, all of that. And she said, well, she's sensitive. And I said, no, not sensitive. Like she cries because her feelings get hurt. She goes, no, 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 no. That's like the a big misconception is that yes. sensitive is used towards that line of thinking. And all of a sudden it kind of started to make a little sense to me. And um, we talked about how it is very difficult because I have two very different kiddos. And like they always say, that usually happens. And something that she brought up that really hit me was, she said, your kids have two different parents. You guys are biologically their mom and dad, but you are raising them differently. Your relationship with each of them is, is different based on all these different outside things. And then that hit me because I was thinking, okay, the oldest who is five, she's very much like me. She's a people pleaser. She follows the rules. The youngest, and I've been told that when I was a little girl, a little baby, and, and she's three, that I was very spirited like her, but she's very spirited and she mm -hmm. challenges me a lot. And so then there's this battle sometimes and inside I feel sometimes like I am failing because I don't know how to handle those big emotions. 
Yeah. And most of us don't. And that's what the frustrating part is, is that because we don't know how to handle them, because they're unpredictable or out of, we feel out of control because we don't know how to handle it. What happens is we try to control the situation more. And that's one of the worst things that we can do with a child with big emotions. So then things get worse and people get stuck in what I call this cycle of yuck because we don't know how to deal with them. We didn't learn how to do any of this. We certainly didn't. Most of us learn to suppress our emotions, not deal with other people's big emotions. Exactly. And before we get into all the big emotions questions, that is something that I'm very confused about as well. So, okay, I have been doing tons of research. And by research, I mean reading all the books, trying to do whatever it is to better myself as a parent, equip my husband to also be a better parent and listen to our kids. Because we have said, and we agree, nothing against our parents, but we are learning from generation to generation that we have to take our kids' feelings and thoughts into consideration and we have to talk to them. That is getting better, I believe, than it was maybe 20 years ago. I mean, if I think about my grandparents and my parents, that definitely wasn't really there. And so then I have heard recently, and I don't know if it's books that I'm reading or the pediatrician or whatever it may be, that it's like, okay, your kids are your kids and you're their parents. So you can say no, and you don't have to justify things. And I'm like, oh, where there's got to be a middle. There has to be something. There absolutely is. And that's actually, especially when I taught discipline, that's exactly what I thought, which is, um, I, I taught, which is the middle ground, which is where we are both firm because boundaries are so important for kids. Having a strong, confident parent is so important. It actually helps them feel safer, especially kids with big emotions, but all kids. But we can be firm in a respectful way. And I think that's what, to your point, generations ago they didn't do. It was, this is the way it's going to go. I don't care how it makes you feel. The balance is this is the way it's going to go. You're going to have feelings about it. And I'm actually going to teach you how to have those feelings so that you don't lash out, so that you have those feelings without being disrespectful, so that you have those feelings without um, you know, holding them in. So the balance is actually being strong and firm and confident, but letting our kids have feelings without dismissing them and teaching them how to have those feelings in a way that's respectful to themselves and others. Okay. Let's just answer the big question. How do you know if you have a child with big emotions? Yeah, that is such an important question. And, and you know, it's funny because someone will ask me that and I'll say to the, I'll say to many people, if you, you, if you have a child with big emotions, often, you know, but <laughs> yeah. not everybody knows. So I want to, I do want to give you a couple of examples of what, what typically you see in children with big emotions. So um, to your point, it's not necessarily that they cry easily. That's not the, that's not, you know, what necessarily makes a big emotion child. Big emotion children simply feel things strongly. That's what it means. They feel strongly. So it could mean that they are going from zero to 60 and it happens in like 0.2 seconds and they are fine. And then all of a sudden they're really angry and you're like, whoa, what just happened? I just told you you couldn't have the yellow cup. Everything was fine. And now you're freaking out. So big emotion children could go from zero to 60. They could be um, very controlling and they are bossy or negotiators. They want things to go their way because what happens for big emotion children is 
they imagine that things are going to go one way, even if you haven't told them that, maybe they imagine they were going to watch a movie or that they were going to have the yellow cup. They imagine in their mind it's going to go that way. And when it doesn't go that way, they feel it so strongly that they try to control situations to prevent that from happening or to try to decrease the, the big feelings they're having inside. So again, they could go from zero to 60 really fast. They could be controlling and bossy. They could have this belief of everything should be fair. And when it's not fair, it's the end of the world. They could feel really strongly about animals. Like if an animal gets hurt, it's really hard for them. So there are a lot of different ways this could show, but all what it all comes down to is that they feel things really strongly. So does that help? All right. Before we continue this conversation, I want to take a minute and talk to you about one of the sponsors of the podcast, Blonde and Real Estate. And with the real estate game, it continues to be a crazy game. <laughs> you probably know somebody, if not you, who has a crazy story about buying or selling a home. And the thing with Blonde and Real Estate, I feel like I've been telling you the same things about what they can do for you and how they can help you. And I realized just now as as I'm thinking it through that they are so on top of technology and the market and the real estate game that that's why they're able to keep going and to keep serving you. So one of the things that a lot of people started doing, a lot of other real estate agencies was creating this feature where you could learn about um, basically off-market properties. Well, Blonde and Real Estate has been doing that forever. So for them, they've crafted it. They have made it so awesome for you, whether you're the buyer or the seller, to learn about these properties that haven't hit the market yet, which puts you at an advantage. So like I said, they've been doing this for quite some time. And so now they are ahead of the game and even more ahead of the game with it. To get these weekly emails, all you have to do is go to the website, blondinrealestate.com. You give them your email address and there you go. It's that easy. And then you'll be on top of your game and ahead of the others when it comes to buying or selling. Again, blondinrealestate.com you will be impressed. Let's get back to this week's conversation. It does. And then when you said that, there were things that popped in with the oldest that I'm like, oh, wait a minute. She's kind of controlling and bossy. Yeah. And it doesn't mean everybody's a big feeler. Although I have found that in my experience, almost every family has at least one. And that when they talk to me, they are realizing that their kids do feel things strongly, but sometimes it comes out through anxiety Sometimes it comes out through anger or irritability. Like they don't always realize that they're feeling things strongly. But yes, it could it could manifest in many different ways. You know, the one thing about this podcast that I say is that these are real, raw conversations. And going into this episode, I was, like I said at the beginning, super excited to talk to you because I have a child with big emotions. Um what is on my heart and what I'm like a little nervous to even talk about is, is that child with big emotions because she's three and I have often worried about, you know, what is going to happen in the future? What if she goes back 
and listens to these episodes and she hears her mom talking about her and she hears me talking about how her sister, who is not perfect either, like that's not, that is not it, but I am needing help with the youngest. So I have been very careful about what I say about her and even around other people or here's something that I do about every three months, I bought both of the girls, these different books and I write in them and I say, you know, little updates, like what is what they are loving at that moment, what's going on with them. And I keep it very positive, as positive as I possibly can, because and, and, you know, now I'm like kind of like a hypocrite when I say this, because I don't want them reading it and being like, oh, well, mom really was struggling with me on that one. Or I just want them to know what the, the different things like they went from loving my little ponies for every single day of their life to oh, all of a sudden Barbies are their new thing. So that's kind of how the book is is written, so to speak. And so I try not to write down those challenging times with each girl, but especially with the youngest. And my husband and I were just talking about this the other day because I said, I just feel like sometimes I'm failing as a parent because I feel like I don't know how to handle the youngest and the things that she's doing. And that is just, it's an awful feeling. Yeah. Feeling helpless as a parent. And that's why that sentence that you read in the beginning, I loved that because my job is really to help parents feel less helpless, feel more in control and really understand. I've been called the behavior translator because I really can help you understand what's going on with your kids and what to do. But what's really important is to know that being a quote unquote good parent. And I actually have every parent that I work with define what a good parent means for them. So there's not one thing that a good parent is, but it does not mean that our kids are happy all the time. It does not mean that our kids are easy all the time. And it doesn't mean that if our kids have big emotions and we don't know how to handle it, that that's a bad thing. It just means that they feel things strongly and that we don't know enough about that to understand what to do to support them. None of this is bad. If they see in their you know, past notebooks, and, and what you're doing in your notebook is a little bit differently, but even if they see, hey, we struggled during this period, what that tells them is that life has some struggle sometimes. And I will tell you, as someone with big emotions, raising children with big emotions, having helped many hundreds of families with big emotions, that big emotion kids often don't feel positive. And if we don't show them that there are aspects of life that aren't positive, they're actually going to think there's something wrong with themselves. So we need to talk to them about the fact that sometimes things are uncomfortable and they're not going so well. And sometimes we need to lean on other people in order to get get through it. And I guess that's just where I, I'm like upset because I don't want her to feel like she's the problem child. And um, sometimes I, I do feel that way. Like, I don't know. I'm just, I'm really struggling with yeah, how how to parent, how to be the best mom for her, how to help her with her emotions. Yeah. And I think if we don't understand something, we will always feel helpless. 
And I think the fact that you are learning more and that you are seeking knowledge and wanting to be the best parent you can be for her, that is a sign that you're doing for her what she needs. Just right there. Well, Rachel, I do feel helpless. So um, I would love to, to talk through this. I know that I'm not the only one, obviously. There's plenty of parents that are feeling the same way. So how, how do we start? How do I start to feel a little bit more confident? So I think there are, the first way I would have any parents start is to understand big emotions a little bit better, to understand what is underneath the potentially selfish behavior or the um, inflexible behavior, because that's a lot of what you're seeing. And so when we understand our kids we are less triggered by it. And that's a big piece, I have to tell you, of raising a child with big emotions is when we get triggered by it, it actually makes situations worse. So we want to really understand it so it doesn't suck us in. So let me just give you a quick example of what I mean by understanding it. So let's say you have a child who is really bossy and controlling. A lot of us will see, or even self-centered, because that's often a symptom. Bossiness is a symptom of self-centeredness. Like I want things to go my way and they have to. One of the things that we need to understand is that that controlling behavior is actually a coping mechanism. It's not a bad behavior. It's a coping mechanism. Because as I said before, when a child imagines something is going to go one way and it doesn't, that feeling is so uncomfortable that they're trying to maintain the status. They're trying to get to happen what they had in their mind so they feel better. When we understand that they're actually having a problem not being a problem, we stop getting angry at them or frustrated with them, or we stop trying to control them and we can actually help them. So understanding their behavior, and I really could explain every single behavior that seems illogical, that seems, you know, so self-centered. And so where does this come from? I can explain every single one. And when we start to understand that, then we can see it as, oh, okay, now I understand she's actually feeling out of control. And now I know what to do about that. And then we get less triggered by it as well. Okay, I'd like to highlight another great sponsor of the podcast, Evoke Creative. So as you're listening to this episode, maybe make a mental note to go back and listen to episode 102, Mixing Business with Friendship. And in that episode, I interview the owners and founders of Evoke Creative, Crystal and Tiffany. Now, Evoke Creative is a full-service branding and digital marketing company. And what exactly does that mean for you? Well, it can mean lots of things. If you have a small business and you're looking for a website design or you're looking for a website refresh, Evoke Creative there for you. Maybe you are starting out and you need everything. You need the logo. You need that strategy call to figure out what's next. Evoke Creative can help you. Or maybe you just need a little extra help with social media. I don't know about you, but social media can be, oh, wow, a time sucker when you're not a business owner. So just think about that when you're scrolling through just, you know, as you, but then when you add a business to that, or you add a product that you want people to know about, it's a lot. And Tiffany and Crystal, they have a great plan in motion that will help you to decide what's best for your business. And it doesn't matter if it's a small need or an extra large need, they will help you. Check them out, evokecco.com. That's evokecco.com. All right, let's get back to it. Okay, so then let's just go with probably what is the hardest for us is 
our youngest, for example, cleaning up. I know that that's a big issue all around. And we've done all the things. We've set a timer. We've made it fun. We've turned it into a game. And it's just this battle. And it's like her sister will end up cleaning up her stuff for her because she just doesn't want to do it. And we're like, no, 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 no. She needs to learn that she has to clean up. And then there, you know, it'll be like, just a war zone. There are tears, there's screaming, there's just yelling at us when, whenever it's, it's things like that, when it's things that it, she doesn't want to do, I guess that's when it just gets insane. And you're right. I, I am trying to learn that, but it is frustrating. And then that puts me on edge and then obviously they can tell. And so like, I'm just, I take deep breaths and I pray to God. That's all. (laughs) But I don't want to keep living this way. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about, I can tell you've done everything to address the actual cleaning, the giving timers, the making it fun. I think what the bigger issue is there is actually not the cleaning, but that she doesn't like to be told what to do, or she doesn't like to have to do things she doesn't want to do. Does that sound like her? Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Okay. So she doesn't like to be told to do things she doesn't want to do, regardless of how fun you make it or how many timers you use. So she's feeling out of control. And what's happening is you're seeing the behaviors, the yelling and the crying and all that as you know, a problem, a bad behavior. And what it actually is, is a release of what I call the yuck inside. So let me explain this word yuck, because it really is important to understand when it comes to actually parenting in general, not even just big emotion kids. So yuck is a term that I use to describe any type of discomfort. So it could be that a child is hungry or tired or feeling out of control or feeling frustrated, disappointed. It doesn't matter. It could be something small that's uncomfortable, something huge. All of it is interpreted by the brain as the same. Any type of discomfort is a threat in the brain. So I call this all yuck. What happens is as soon as someone, whether this is a parent or child, goes into, feels some sort of discomfort, the brain senses it as a threat, turns on an alarm, and that alarm is our fight or flight response. One of the things our fight or flight response does is it shuts off our ability to think rationally and really handle situations effectively. So what happens when you ask her to do something that she doesn't want to do is that tells her, her brain says, threat, this is bad, this is a problem. So she goes into yuck. She is in her fight or flight response. And what you see are what I call yuck behaviors, behaviors that come out when she's in yuck, the crying, the name calling, the potentially disrespect or defiance. I call all that yuck turned out. It's just a symptom that she's uncomfortable What happens is if you actually let her, and I know what the initial question is, well, what if she's hurting someone or being disrespectful? I'll get to that. But if you actually let her release these feelings, what's going to happen is they're going to end. They're not going to last forever. Now, right now they may be lasting, you know, 30 minutes, two hours, but I promise you when we actually, I actually taught um, undergraduate psychology classes for a little while. I taught, you know, the, the psychology of emotions, the physiology of emotions. And I will tell you that emotions do not last forever. They're not supposed to. And they don't. So when we actually let our kids release their yuck, we tend to, what happens is they go into yuck, that triggers us, puts us into yuck, and we make it worse. 
We don't allow them to release their yuck. We try to stop them or we get them more upset because we're trying to make them do something else. So when we actually allow them to release their yuck, what happens is then they can, and I'm actually going to ask you this too in a minute, Joe, I'm going to ask you a question, but you'll probably notice this when they actually release, once they actually get it all out, here's my question for you, Jill, what happens if you do let her let all those feelings out, what happens next? Confusion on my husband and my part, because we're like, who the heck is this? She's like a happy angel. Like what is happening with her brain? That is totally normal. That's what's supposed to happen. So what happened was she was in fight or flight. She did what I call, I call this traveling the yuck curve. So what happens when someone is yuck is you can imagine a rainbow shaped curve. Their yuck gets bigger and bigger and bigger. It reaches a peak. That's when their yuck behavior is the worst. That's when they're being disrespectful, being defiant. But eventually they travel that curve. They get to the end of the rainbow. They've now re-accessed the more logical, rational, um, values-based part of their brain. So they have come back online. That's what, that's why you're confused because they weren't in that part of their brain. You let them travel the curve and release all those feelings. And all of a sudden now they're cooperative and sweet and they may want to hug. And we're probably still in yuck. And we're like, what? You want to hug? I feel like I just got run over by a train. You want to hug? Because we're still in yuck, but they have traveled the curve. And when we let our kids release their feelings, they actually become way more cooperative, way more respectful. We just stop kids when they're in the middle of the curve because we don't like their behaviors. So we don't need to, okay, if she runs off into her room because she's mad and Mm -hmm. she's screaming and she's crying, with big emotion kids, do you go in and offer a hug? Do you wait until she is completely done and let her come out? I mean, is there at any point do you go in and try to offer that physical? Because like sometimes we've noticed if we just grab her tight and just whisper in her ear, sometimes that will calm her body. Not all the time, but I guess I it, I just want to know when you kind of, go in, so to speak? Yeah, that's a great question. And it actually depends not only, you're going to not love this answer, but it depends on the child and even the situation because certain kids need certain things when they're dysregulated. Like I have two, two kids. One of my kids actually wants me to come hug her and squeeze her. The other kid, if I actually walk within nine feet of her, will will freak out and it makes it a hundred percent worse. So it actually depends. I will tell you this from a, from a clinical perspective. What we want is for them to realize they're safe because safety okay. is what allows children to travel that yuck curve more quickly. It makes sense because they're in fight or flight. They have to sense safety to be able to travel the curve. So what we have to think about is what's going to make a child feel safe right now because then they'll travel the curve more quickly. Now, you can put two and two together now and say what we usually do makes them feel less safe, not more safe. That's why it doesn't work very well. So to answer your question directly, it actually depends. And I will, I will tell you that a lot of kids who do are have big feelings also have sensory things going on, like physiological sensory things. And for a lot of kids, deep pressure does actually help. Whispering can help. For other kids, being touched actually ignites their nervous system and makes it worse. So it really does. You, you want to think about in the past what's helped your, each of your kids because their nervous system actually may need something different. Let's go back to the cleaning up. Mm-hmm. Let's say she doesn't want to clean up. And and like I said, we have tried all the things and, you know, we've 
we say, okay, we're going to give you five seconds. We're going to set a timer. If you choose to not clean up, then you're going to have to go to your room. And I don't know if that's right or wrong. I have been told to give choices like, hey, you can either choose to clean up or you can go in your room until you're ready to clean up. Yeah. What does that, how does that, I don't know. Cause there's a lot of yuck in that as well. Yeah. There's a lot of yuck for you or for her. Uh, uh Well, both, because sometimes when you get to five or whatever, and you know, there are times where it's like, you know, she knows she's like, I'm not, I'm not doing it. And then once five hits, she's like, oh, okay. I'll do it even though, and I, and we're very big. I'm like, Brian, we have to follow through. If we do not follow through, then we will get walked all over by our kids, no matter what it is, no matter if your big emotions or not, Correct. we follow through. So then when we take her to her room and tell her that she can come out when she is ready to clean up, you can hear her in there screaming, yeah. I'm yelling. And, and it's like, Okay, so what did we just do? Did we make it worse? Nope. How do you do it? Nope. So here, this combines discipline and big emotions. So okay. I, first of all, let me back up a little bit to your original question of do you give her choices? And here's what I will say is that once someone is in yuck, it's very hard for them to make a choice. Or if she does make a choice, she's going to make a choice that puts her in control. That's why she uh, will, at, at number five, do it. Because then she's like, well, I'm the one that decided when to do this. Her brain is in fight or flight already. Okay. By the time you ask her to make a choice, she's already in fight or flight. So instinctively, a fight or flight brain will try to get control of the situation. That's why she does that. So that's the first part. Now, the next piece, you're so right. Consistency is key to parenting, to at least the discipline and big emotion piece, because we, first of all, for discipline's sake, as soon as kids know they can get around something, they're going to get around it. They're, they just yeah. will. But with big emotion children, actually consistency helps them tremendously feel safer and that the world is predictable. Big emotion kids feel so out of control inside so much of the time that they need predictable parents. That's why I teach parents the tools you need to feel in control so you can be predictable. So you absolutely would, if you had said you're going to go into your room, she absolutely needs to go into a room. And the fact that she's yelling and screaming in her room is not a sign that you've done something wrong at all. It's a sign that she's releasing her yuck. I I would love to change the mindset that a child getting upset is a bad thing, that it means you've done something wrong. It actually is a healthy thing. It means they've hit a boundary and that they are releasing all the feelings that have come up when they hit a consistent boundary. To me, that's good parenting, not that you've done something wrong. Hitting pause one more time to remind you about Evoke Creative, one of the sponsors of the podcast. I love fun t-shirts. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because Evoke Creative has added something to what I always like to say, another tool to their toolbox. And they can create merch for your business. You're looking for fun t-shirts, maybe fun sweatshirts, maybe fun stickers, maybe fun hats, anything that you can think of that would be a great fit for your business. They can take care of it. I Love that about Evoke Creative. The owners and founders, Crystal and Tiffany, they're always adapting. They're listening and then they're taking direction and they're like, all right, we want to make sure that we are giving small businesses 
anything and everything that they could possibly want. So please check out my friends and a wonderful sponsor of the podcast by going to evokecco.com. Again, that's evokecco.com. All right, let's get back to this week's conversation. So if you want to offer choices, though, mm-hmm. before the yuck comes, mm-hmm. like if you're, would it be more of, hey, after dinner, we're going to go ahead and clean up. And then after we clean up, we'll get to watch your movie. I mean, do you start it early? Like, how do you avoid that? Yeah. And so what I will say is, um, and this is not a criticism on you. I just, it's so important for me to say this. We don't necessarily need to avoid their big emotions. And again, no criticism. I just want that. It's very empowering for us as parents of children with big emotions to know we do not need to avoid them. In fact, we can welcome them. That's sort of another topic, but to answer your question, uh, this is going to sound like I'm contradicting myself. I'm not, but I am not a fan of dealing with all this in the moment either. I just know we have to stop seeing that as a threat, but I don't love dealing with this in the moment. So most of what I teach parents is absolutely what you said, and it's about proactively setting them up so that they are not they are not going into yuck as easily, or at least not unnecessarily. We, we create a lot of unnecessary yuck in our kids. Uh-huh. So to your point, yes, you ask about choices earlier because what that is, I call that a deposit into her sense of control so that later when you have to withdraw by saying, nope, it's time to go to bed right now, you've made those deposits. So giving them a choice ahead of time is absolutely a deposit that I highly encourage that you do. Okay. That, yep. It's starting to all click. Something that I will bring up and I'm sure you have had this brought up to you by many parents, but this goes back to what you were talking about with let them go through that cycle, like that rainbow of yuck, get all of the emotions out. What if you are, I mean, I, I know that the answer is you should just probably let them do it, but if you are in a public space or you are somewhere, I, I really, I do care about what people think, but at the same time, I don't (laughs) like I can have more empathy when I'm at a store and I see a mom and their child is just going through those big emotions. Mm -hmm. But then when it happens to you, you just start sweating and you're like, oh my gosh. So what do you do? How do you handle that? I basically say there are a few ways of handling this and it is up to you and it is up to how you are doing. But here are some some different ways you could handle this. One, and this is where you're going, and this is like the ideal. I don't do this all the time, to be honest, but and my kids are older now, but I didn't even do this when they were younger. <laughs> One is to say, do I care more about what this stranger thinks who's going to think this thought for two minutes? They're going to, yeah, they're, they're actually judging me. I'm not wrong. They're actually judging me. Right. But they're going to judge me for about two minutes. They're going to walk on. Maybe they'll tell their friend later. Probably they won't. But my relationship with my child and my ability to offer the the comfort she needs right now, that I prioritize above what this stranger thinks of me, even though I know she's probably judging me. So one way is to actually think about it differently. It's this stranger's judgment or my child. Mm. That's Mm. one way to think about it. Could I do this all the time when my kids are young? Absolutely not. So I have another option because I'm a very real parent. Again, I'm very sensitive to my kids' feelings. So what I teach isn't always what I can do. So I give other options just in case you're a real parent. The other option, um, and maybe some people can do this sort of judgment piece, you know, not worry about stranger's judgment. And that's great. 
Um, and I think that's ideal. But the other piece is to say, guess what? I'm not going to handle this well. I'm probably going to lose it too. I'm probably not, I'm going to get upset with my child in the store. And this is an opportunity for me later to talk to my child about what we can do differently, what I can do differently, what they can do differently. And this is what a relationship is like. And guess what? I'm not always going to handle this well. I got triggered. So now we can use this as an opportunity to talk about going into yuck and what we can do differently when we're in yuck. I don't think we give our kids enough credit, and I have said this before, the power of conversation. Even though it's big kid talk and big parent talk, they get it. I mean, they understand in their way. So I am a, yes, I love to be able to have that conversation. So I'm glad you had that. Yeah. I'm glad and, you said that. And you can do this with a three-year-old. And they're actually, when when we go back and have conversations, here's how I would do it with a three-year-old. Because you can make it, I was a therapist for, for kids too. So I, I'm able to talk to all ages, but you can just say something like, hey, what was that like if you have a very verbal three-year-old? Or was that upsetting if you don't have, you know, if you need to sort of help with some language? And then you can say, what do you think I, as your mom, could have done differently? Can you imagine something different could have happened? And then you can say, what could you have done differently? Now, your three-year-old might not be able to answer that last question, but I would actually plant that seed now because what you're doing is you're just starting to ask questions as language acquisition is coming and as cognitive abilities are increasing, you're starting to show them what these conversations are like. And then as they get older, they already have this foundation of, we're going to talk about what was your feeling during this? And what action could have we could we have taken differently? Oh, we could talk for a lot longer. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> we are running out of time. Before I let you go and we get all your information out there, is there something major that I missed in this conversation that you think we need to talk about right now before you go about your day? No, you didn't miss anything, but I would love to reiterate, if you are raising a child with big emotions, to stop seeing that as either your deficiency in parenting or their deficiency as as a human being. Because first of all, it really isn't a deficiency. I'm amazing at my job because I'm a big feeler. It allows me to help parents. There are jobs that really need big feeling kids, big feeling adults. It's not a deficiency. And once we understand it, it actually allows us to respond and give our kids what they need. Because what I always say is, if you're not understanding and um, respecting your child, who's going to do it? They won't do it. Other people won't do it. So we need to really understand what's going on and stop seeing it as a problem or that we're doing something wrong. We're not. We just usually need a little bit more information and a few more practical tools. That's it. Rachel, thank you so much. I know that... There is someone listening right now shaking their head. Maybe they're in tears too. How do they get a hold of you to get some more information, tap into your knowledge, and just get a little bit more reassurance? So I think the best place is probably my podcast, which is called Your Parenting Long Game. And starting in season two, I actually, all I'm doing is focusing now on raising kids with big emotions. Although season one was all about discipline. So if you're interested in that, I also have a Facebook group related to my podcast. It's called Your Parenting Long Game Facebook group. And then I'm also going to give your audience a video series that I've done specifically for raising children with big emotions. And you can find that and any of my programs and services, but all that's on my website. So there's going to be a special link that I'm going to give you, Jill, um, for your listeners that will allow you access to this video series. 
Oh, I love that. So I will have everything on the show notes at jilldevine.com. Rachel, let's please stay in touch. I think I'm going to need you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would love to do that. Well, thank you again. And yes, we will have all of that information on the show notes at jilldevine.com. Please take advantage of it and take a listen to the podcast. I, again, thank you so much, Rachel. I feel better and I feel more equipped to start handling these situations a little bit differently. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me here. And before I say goodbye for this week's episode, a reminder of Blondin Real Estate, and that is spelled B-L-O-N-D-I-N. Check out Blondin Real Estate and head to blondinrealestate.com. Like I mentioned earlier in this episode, they have this wonderful feature when you go to blondinrealestate.com where you enter in your email address and you'll get a weekly email where you will learn about properties before they hit the market. And that still continues to be the trend of how people are getting the homes of their dreams. They're finding out about it through Blondin Real Estate. They are finding out before anybody else. So don't forget to take a look, blondinrealestate.com and show some love to one of the best sponsors of this podcast. And speaking of showing some love, can I ask you to show the podcast some love by subscribing, rating, and reviewing it? So wherever you're listening to this podcast, just kind of giving it that thumbs up or sharing it with friends and family, that's super, super helpful. And you can also follow along at jilldevine.com. As always, thank you for your support of two kids and a career. 